Hi everyone, I'm Paola Diana and this is Unleash the Game Changers. Today our guest is a real game changer and it's a person that I admire. Today we have the night news editor of the Daily Express, Leeds Perkins. Thank you Leeds for being here with us today. So nice to see you. You are fantastic because I was following you and your campaign and you changed the Domestic Abuse Act with your campaign and you are the only journalist doing that because the other journalists apparently they weren't really interested in domestic abuse. I think domestic abuse has always been a subject very much that has been a taboo and has been largely ignored for a very long time. I remember um, you know obviously we went to an event at the Old Bailey you know one of the judges was referring to domestic abuse and saying you know in the past it was always like oh it's, it's just a domestic. A lot of people were actually campaigning for years outside the family court in Britain yeah and they were ignored and effectively you know i had a lot of people coming with their stories to me and our paper decided to listen and felt it was really important well done that something was done in the family court thank you so can you tell us a little bit more about the beginning of your campaign when did it start and who was the first victim who came to you and uh, and how did it go well basically it was back in april 2019 it feels like such a long time ago now yeah and um this MP came to me, Tonya Antoniazzi, and she said, look, there's this terrible case of a woman who's got two children. And both the children were basically abused by the dad. And the dad's abuse was live streamed right across the world. And he ended up being jailed for doing that. And it happened in the bedroom of their home. But you'd think, you know, the ex-wife would never ever see him again. Yeah. But the family court, um, which obviously deals with uh, disputes over custody in Britain, um, got involved in this case. And somehow, even though he was in prison, he was allowed to continue to control the life of the children. That's astonishing. Well, I, I'm shocked to hear that. It's unbelievable that the family courts allow that. He was. But this shocking. man was uh, imprisoned here in the United Kingdom? That's correct. And he basically decided to use the family court and say, I don't want my children to change their surname. They had a highly unusual surname. And he didn't want his ex-wife to sell the home, even though she couldn't afford the mortgage. And that was where he carried out his abuse. And he refused to allow his children to go on holiday. And he used the court to do that as well. How old were the children? They were very young, very young. And they didn't deserve to go through what they went through without their paedophile dad saying, look, you know, they can't have this happen at all you know I mean when you think they're in primary school you know the last thing they wanted was for their friends to know they'd been abused by their father but having their lives continued to be controlled by such a person was quite shocking and our newspaper was you know the editor was really shocked about this and we did research around it noticed that Louise Haig the MP had this um, private members bill and she was trying to campaign to ensure that paedophiles who were parents did not have the rights through the family court anymore. Of course, of course. And because of uh, the change in the Domestic Abuse Act, now they can't have control on them, no. correct? That's correct. So it, you made it? You were. Yes, changes have been made. It took two years for everything to happen. And the former Justice Minister, Alex Chalk, said after a year of my campaign that they were going to overhaul the family court as part of that legislation. Well done, Liz. Thank you so much. I'm still shocked that you were the only journalist doing that. 
because I think that you know many other journalists should have been interested in these cases, right? They didn't run a campaign on it. I know some people have touched on writing mm. about the family court, but they didn't have a coordinated campaign bringing together lots of different victims and saying, look, you know, we really need to change the law. I mean, you know, people expose cases, yeah. but, but it wasn't consistently going through. Hopefully you change the things and now maybe they will be more interested in talking about domestic abuse and domestic violence because we all know that uh, domestic abuse thrives in silence sure. and the trauma brings silence, it silences the victims. I'm sure you noticed that, right? I, I'm sure it was very difficult for them to talk to you. It was actually, yes. They, they used to speak to me for an hour at a time on the phone. I'd be sitting at home at night and my phone would go off. And, you know, I was interviewing people at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, because then they felt that they could speak. Sometimes they didn't want to speak um, during the day. Sometimes they would change their minds. Sometimes I would be stood in our office in Canary Wharf having to have conversations at the last minute. To, to say, look, you know, you don't need to pull your story. You won't be identified. This will make a difference. They were very scared. They were scared because they didn't want to be identified. You have to think these people fled from the UK to Cyprus or they fled to the, from the UK to different parts of the world just to ensure that their children would always stay with them. Wow. And they don't have easy lives now. It's really tragic that they had to take that decision to put their children first because our court was so bad. Why do you think our family courts were so bad? I think the reality is that if you've got a court that is highly secretive, um, it means that, you know, technically the press are allowed to cover those courts, but what you find is the judges refuse to allow the media to come in in such cases because they say, oh, you know, um, the children will be impacted upon. However, all they need to do is have a certain rule in place to say, you know, you can't report on the identity of the children you could just report about the adults involved in the case. Of course. Because at the end of the day, if you do not have accountability for a part of our justice system, then how is it going to operate well? Because sometimes you do have judges who yeah. make the wrong decision. I mean, people in life across the board make the wrong decision. And clearly they have to be held accountable whether you work in parliament or whether you're, you know, you're working um, just in a normal everyday job. It has to happen, yeah. and, and that really is our role, even though sometimes it does make us unpopular. That's why we need a free press. We need to hold these uh, institutions accountable, and also they have to be transparent. You know, they, they have to share more information, particularly if you're talking about children. Sure. But do you think there is a, a sort of misogyny underlying in the family courts? Because I read a lot of bad news, and they're all bad for the mothers. Sure, a lot of mothers claim that to me. Yeah. They were very unhappy about that. But also I should make the point that you do sometimes have cases of same-sex relationships yeah. and you have women of against course. women as well. Yeah. And what I've seen with that is that sometimes the abusive mother was still getting the, the child even mm. though they shouldn't do as well. But I think sometimes it's about the way people present themselves. And I think if you've been through domestic abuse, it is very difficult to present yourself well because you're obviously battling mental problems of course as much as you know if, if you're being hit how are you supposed to be smiling happy um you're not being able to go out to work because you're too unwell you don't have the money to dress like your partner is dressing you may not have um access to the lawyers that you wish to have and they do it's very difficult to be able to say look 
I am the credible person, yeah. I'm the person you should trust with these children. And instead they're trusting the other person because they look look the part. But what they're like at home and what they're like in a courtroom is entirely different. So there was also financial disparity between the parties. Sure. And usually the part with a less you know, financial independence, maybe she was the one getting the worst outcome. Sure, and you also have cases of economic abuse, which you know now, through the domestic abuse bill, I mean, that has become a crime in itself, and that was something I also campaigned on too, because it was so important, because what you see Absolutely. is these partners sometimes rack up bills of hundreds of thousands of pounds that, you know, there's no hope of ever paying back, you know, in the name of their ex-spouse or whatever. Yeah. How are you supposed to live like that? I mean, how many jobs are you going to have to hold down in some people's cases to ever be able to be free of that debt, move on, you know, buy a new home? And it's just really, really difficult and undeserved as well. It's terrible. It's really terrible. So economic abuse is now forbidden by this domestic act, correct? It is. It is a crime. I mean, we campaigned for that to be criminalised, along with non-fatal strangulation and also threats to share intimate images, because that was a real problem as well. And somebody said to me, if you campaign on threats to share intimate images, you will help so many millions of people and transform their lives if you can stop that from being allowed. And you have seen in different courtrooms now that some of these offences, you know, in terms of non-fatal strangulation, I know that there was a case last summer where a man actually went to court yeah. and he, you know, was prosecuted over it. And you just think, at last, somebody's actually being done for these things because in the past they would just get away with everything. I know, and it's horrific. I read so many cases about this uh, strangulation. Uh, you know, and they were using porn as an example, yes. like saying, oh, she wanted that, it was just a sexual joke. I doubt, seriously doubt that any woman wants that, particularly no. the young ones, honestly. Who wants that? No, no exactly. one wants that. It's so shocking, isn't it, yeah. really? So, yes. And I think this man, they might be addicted to pornography online. What do you think? I think there is a relation between violence and domestic violence. I th I th clearly there is a link, but yeah. it's just, I think it's about having the control, isn't it? They don't necessarily want their partner to leave and they can say, look, you know, I'm going to share this if you go. So, you yeah. know, they, they've kind of got a huck over somebody. Yeah. They know, but now that's all changed. And I guess it depends on the bravery of the victim in coming forward and going to the authorities and saying, look, you know, this person is threatening to send this out to my family or, or whoever. And but they know now that that legislation's in place. And it's good. And it was sure. a success. And thank Absolutely. you, Liz, from the bottom of my heart. And I'm sure all women in Great Britain, and, you know, they're thanking you because uh, you really, really changed their lives. Thank you. And it's wonderful for me to see that a committed citizen, committed uh, and empathic uh, citizen can change the lives of so many people. So well done. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is uh, what I hope we can inspire others to do, right? Because we are all drops and we all <laughs> can create the ocean, right? Yes. And, you know, many people sometimes they think they're, they're not responsible or their actions won't have an effect uh, and they don't make an effort. No, no. But, the, but, the thing but actually is, you did. But it's so unusual for somebody in the media to be able to achieve that because, yes, you can do it, but, the, you know, not everybody does. And it's just, you know, when I started that campaign, I was told oh, it was going to take you six years to make a difference through that bill go through Parliament. Yeah. It took two years 
and clearly you know i didn't know at the very beginning it was going to have that impact but i saw the domestic abuse bill was a vehicle sure. to make change and i'm so glad that it did because it was just hours of hard work as you can imagine and I'm sure but i will say this i have to pay tribute to the bravery of all those domestic abuse victims yes. who couldn't be named who weren't celebrities who had to live with the horror of that each day and were prepared to speak to me and had that courage and you have to say thank you to them because without them yes. and the fact that they were so relentless i wouldn't have achieved anything you're right Oh, it was wonderful. And also you created a connection with the brave politicians, right? Yeah. Who made the change as well. You know, they really did something for our society, but still it's not enough, right? Yeah. We still need something more because the victims are still not believed enough in our society, right? No. And our judiciary system is not really uh, made for victim of domestic abuse. That's why we, we hear the numbers are staggering. And I, I think these numbers, I was hearing yesterday, they're around 2.7 millions. Yeah. But they're still scratching the surface because many, many victims, they don't come out. No, they don't. And we know that before denouncing their abusers, they were abused 37 times. This is the, a number that uh, they tell the judges when yeah. they train them. So what do you think we could do in order to make our judiciary system a better system for victims of abuse, of domestic abuse? I think there is training now in place to look at domestic abuse victims and it certainly needs to happen. I think it's really difficult sometimes um, because as you say, some people don't really want to come forward and talk about domestic abuse. But if there is a domestic abuse case, I do believe the judges right across the country should have an awareness of that. And I do hope that that training does change to have almost a sense of empathy with people. Because otherwise, how are you supposed to understand their situation? Yeah. I do think things are getting better gradually. I think that domestic abuse is on a different agenda now than it was before. People didn't really want to talk about it. It's true. So I think yeah. there feels like there's this movement in terms of women being able to speak about, um, I think Me Too obviously has helped put certain issues into the spotlight yes. and domestic abuse is one of those issues now that seems to have gained a bit of momentum. It clearly needs more, but I do think that there's hope for the future and, and that you know hopefully the judiciary will see this and will have to work in a different way in order to just deal with the issues in front of them. Yeah, also because you know, I don't understand who thinks that a child or, or a woman, because this is the majority of the cases, of sure. course, even a, also a man can be a victim, but yeah. let's talk about the majority of cases. Who thinks that these victims can lie and, you know, just for the sake of ruining the life uh, of a man and go through this ordeal of, uh, you know, process and legal case. I think it's very, very, very unlikely, unlikely that mm. this happened and uh, maybe we can have a case in millions, right? Because it's hard. And that's why I really don't understand why we don't believe the victims. We are always questioning them, right? Yes. And, and trying to find the proof that maybe it's impossible to have because if something is happening in the bedroom, in the house, as you said, you know, it's very, very difficult. Yeah, unless it's a physical harm that you could see, yeah. like bruising or uh, somebody's been taken to hospital. But sometimes it's mental... You know, sometimes this is an emotional thing. Of course. And, you know, it's like, like the Sally Challen case. Yeah. You couldn't always see the wounds on her body, but mentally she was being eaten away at, and it was yeah. just, you know, awful. But we were very lucky to have her son, uh, David Challen, supporting our campaign as well. 
So when you've got people, you know, not just women, but it's also wonderful. high profile men too. Yeah. I mean, you know, we had people like Rachel Riley of Countdown and Jess Phillips, the MP. But, it, but it's important to have not just a political spectrum of people involved, but also high profile men as well, because, of you course. know, it's 80 percent women who are affected by domestic abuse, but also 20 percent men. Yeah. So yeah. we have to take account of everybody. Of course, and children as well. They're victims, yeah. you know, in these houses. And Absolutely. They're voiceless. Yeah, and, and the thing is, they were being abused, and some of them were even killed due to the family court's decision to put them in the hands of their abusive parent rather than the person who was actually going to generally take care of them, which is shocking. It's shocking. Yeah. It is shocking. And we should not stop being shocked until we can change more. Thanks. So do you have in mind another campaign for the future? Wow. Well, who knows what's going to happen next? I mean, you know, obviously rape is a major issue. I know that the government are looking at how to change that. You know, in terms of prosecutions, they're very low and clearly that needs to be changed. It's yeah. very difficult to prosecute on. I do think they should be looking at juries in terms of having an equal number of men and women. Yes, not that just, will help. You know, I think you could see that you know, in, in terms of cases like the Mendy trial, there was, I think it was seven men, and I, I think it's like four men, women, I'd have to double check. But clearly, you have these high profile trials. Um, I do think it should be half and half. There has to be some kind of balance in this, because obviously men view things one way sometimes, women view things another way sometimes. And I think there needs to be, you know, equal you know, rights on that. I, I but obviously, I mean, you know, he's going to go and retrial in the future. I agree with you 100%. Now, I really hope you will keep going on with your campaigns because we need journalists like you, Liz. Thank you very much. We really do. And also, I think you can create a network of game changers willing to help you. Absolutely. And support you. And I'm definitely here to help you as much as I can <laughs> for the future. Thank you. Because I think we have to give back and we have to give voice to people who don't have voice because that's the most important thing. And yeah, uh, this is something that's really really close to my heart because yeah. I, I dealt with the you know violence and abuse as well in my life I really hear the victim and I can I can understand their sorrow so yeah. I, I'm really touched about what you're doing absolutely thank you yeah it's a real challenge isn't it it is it is and uh, and many people they keep the trauma forever in their lives yeah. i was lucky to get on with my life and uh, overcome it and uh, yeah succeed in 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 few ways and i'm still trying <laughs> doing incredibly yeah. well. we have to help also people who are not so strong you know who can who struggle who had uh, other type of uh, you know trauma so it's very important that we are united and particularly women you know i believe in sisterhood yeah and i think it's so important for us to support each other to help each other in every possible way it's key yeah. it really is key it's especially key. on issues like that as well it's yeah. something that's not easy to talk about yeah Absolutely. and you know i i actually learned that from men when i was working in politics in italy because uh, i saw the way they support themselves they you do. know and each other brotherhood is still a thing and i think it's good because they help each other to uh create uh, more jobs or have more power or they're very ambitious yeah. and i think there's nothing wrong for women to be ambitious as well particularly no, because we tend to care for society 
yes. and for our communities, for other you know families, and uh, you are the example of it. You Thank know, you. you could have, yeah, you could have spent your time writing about uh, everything else, right? But you so. decided to to go for it for this uh, thematic that is very dangerous and difficult. Did you receive threats? Did you receive uh, uh, complaints? T tell us something more about. People weren't always yeah. happy with what I was doing. No, you're right. I'm sure. So, you know, you can imagine because people didn't want me to succeed. Yeah. Because they threatened what, you know, threatened their status quo. Of course. It means, you know, they wouldn't maybe have access to their family because if I made sure that that law changed, then it wasn't favoring them anymore. So yes, I did have people mm. complaining. I did have people who weren't very happy. I had people who would have loved to stop my campaign. How yeah. did you react? Did you refer them to the police? Did they went. They didn't write anything mm. threatening. It wasn't too. You know, it wasn't a threat against my life, so I didn't go to the police. But I did block some people on social media because you could just see the way they were going with things. Yeah. And I just that's literally what I did. But yeah. the thing is, well done. Thank you. But it's just the point is these people were threatening those who I was interviewing. Mm. So obviously someone somewhere was going to take it out of me at some point. But I felt that it was too important and you had to keep going. And because that was the only way you could you know, succeed because all the people the involved with me are relentless people. They will yeah. not stop. Mm. And you have to think that they campaigned for years and nobody listened to them, ever. They just didn't, they just ignored them. And finally somebody was listening to them through me, the paper, and it was their chance, it was their shot to have something happen. Yes, well done to the Daily Express as well. <laughs> thank you, thank you, yeah. But tell us something more, Liz, about your childhood, your upbringing. So how did you become this champion of women's rights and this stubborn <laughs> journalist? Tell I, us. I think when I was 13, I always wanted to be a journalist. I actually really wanted to be a tennis writer, would you believe? Yeah, I'm, I'm really passionate about sport. I love it. Um, I've been going to Wimbledon since a teenager and, and was there every year and I even actually guarded Serena Williams. Mm. Um, she's an icon. Yeah. Absolutely amazing opportunity. And so I, it was that start. I used to read newspapers all the time. Funnily enough, the Daily Express as well <laughs> and the Daily Mirror and any newspaper I could get my hands on. I'd watch all the political debates in Parliament on TV. I'd watch the news and I would just watch everything. And I decided that was it. That's what I was going to do. And I decided I was going to do an English degree. So I did that up in London. I came back to Wales, where I'm from. And I studied and did postgraduate diploma in journalism there. And quite recently, back in January last year, I did executive organisational leadership at Syed Business School in Oxford University. Fantastic. So thank you. So it really, you know, I've done all sorts of things in my journalism career. I um, went over to Afghanistan. I used to be a defence reporter. I went there six times. Wow. Yeah, so it was a complete, completely well different done. from domestic abuse and dealing with I'm that. sure it was dangerous in Afghanistan. Did you risk your life? Well, put it this way. I didn't realise at the time, it was in 2014 I went over there, and um, one of the captains I was with, he later told me that I actually came face to face with the Taliban because we had um, a shura, like a meeting, with all these different Afghan police and he'd actually infiltrated them and he was telling everybody of our movements and everything. So, you know, there was areas, you know, I would go out to Nadali, go out to Babaji and Gamsia and I heard the sound of the uh, Taliban gunfire on an area called the Dash. Mm. So, you know, 
you hear sometimes you'd be taking off and there would be an explosion and you know but you'd have to just keep going I think sometimes now I think about it and think wow <laughs> what a risk you know and I did all of this um, I've taken quite a lot of risks actually in my in journalism career I mean I ended up there was a volcano that went off in Iceland that ensure that everybody across Europe wasn't able to fly because of the ash cloud. I remember. Yeah. I was stuck in New York at the time. Were you? Were you? Well, I actually flew out to Iceland. You were there. I, yes. I flew past this volcano. I could see the ash cloud coming out. And then I was taken to this hotel not far away. So you could literally sit in the hot tub and you would see the ash coming out. And the hotel manager said, look, um, I was going to fly you. Have you flown over this? But actually, you know, we're going to drive up it. So we went up in this Jeep right at That's the top of the dangerous volcano. <laughs> and well, exactly. I didn't think about it too much at the time. And we jumped out and we could see the lava coming out and we drank champagne and looked at it. But you could imagine all these people living in Iceland could see, well, in that area of Iceland, I should say, could see these lights heading towards the top of the volcano and started calling the police thinking, what's going on? And as we came down, the police started questioning our driver, saying, "What? What are you of doing?" Of course. Here? Yeah. But luckily, nothing was, you know, taken Good. forward on that. But yes, but we've, you know, had some exciting opportunities and seen, you know, President Barack Obama and, you know, met Hollywood actor Rob Lowe and Michael Douglas and, you know, all these different incredible people along the way. But you also have like quite harrowing stories where um, I interviewed a woman on her deathbed because that was what she wanted to do and put things right before she died. Mm. Um, but you have also opportunities, don't you? Especially in the yeah. media, you don't know who you're going to meet. Um, a couple of days ago, I met Vladimir Zelensky's wife. Um, so, you know, and that was in Davos. Yeah, fantastic. And she, she's just such a, a powerful example of a woman leader. Yeah who really, you know, is in a very difficult position. Yes. Um, a very feminine woman, but yet a woman of steel. You know, yeah. she has to be, and I think she really inspires her nation. So you don't know who you're going to come across in this life. That's wonderful. But it's, it's just a great opportunity. And I think if, when I was a teenager, there was no way I would have imagined I'd have met some of the people I have, because I had my heart set in sports journalism, but I've, I've gone in a completely different direction. But it's one that I've really embraced and, you know, it's just a wonderful opportunity, really. Yeah. I'd recommend being in the media for sure. It's not always glamorous. <laughs> it's not always glamorous at all, but, uh, you know, it's been fun, really fun. Uh, I love your story. And also it's good that you tell that uh, it changed during the course uh, because it, this is life, right? Sure. You can't program everything when you are a teenager and, and then doing step by step exactly what you wrote in, no. the, in the board. Life is what happens every day, right? And Absolutely. you can change and have a different flow, but it doesn't mean it's worse. Actually, it no. can become much, much better than you planned. Yeah, completely. The thing is, when I try to become a tennis journalist, yeah. you knock on the door and sometimes the door doesn't open, right? So maybe it's because you're meant to be going down another path instead. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's good to be stubborn sometimes, but other it times is. it's good also to understand the situation and have a plan B, right? Absolutely. So you have plan A, plan B, plan C, and, and you go. And yes. You go, yeah. And I still enjoy my tennis by going to Wimbledon and Monaco and all the rest of it. So it's yeah. not totally disappeared from my life so yeah yeah no but I, i'm really glad <laughs> you you were of course tennis is important but i'm really glad that you then started talking and writing about domestic abuse and domestic violence Thank because you. the more we talk about that uh, the less shame 
you know, victims will feel what about exactly? this. Because unfortunately, talking about domestic abuse, usually the shame was on the victim, not on the perpetrator. Yes. That is staggering, right? How should it be like that? It should be the opposite way around. It should be. But we all know that it's very delicate and there is also love involved, right? When there's a person of, you know, who's part of your family, you love them. And, yeah. uh, and that's why you can't really hate them 100% or going against them 100% is very, very difficult. Uh, that's why we need to do much, much more. What do you think we need in this country? Maybe more education in order to prevent this to happen? More education with children and with parents as well? It's very difficult, isn't it? Because sometimes there's a cycle of violence within somebody's family, so then they think it's okay to abuse. It's a cycle of violence, you're right. Yeah, yeah. so, so it's how do you nip that in the bud? Yeah. How do you make it wrong to people if that's all they've ever seen? Because to them, it's just it's fine. It's what they, they see each day, so they don't think it's... They don't realize how bad it is sometimes and they think it's okay to strike of course. somebody. So it's cultural, so, it's a cultural problem. Yeah, it is. And, and the thing is, how do you, maybe you try and educate it through schools because sometimes parents aren't teaching their children as they should do. Yeah. We wish we had perfect families out there, but not every family is perfect. Absolutely. But you not. have to start teaching them when they're young, don't you, that this is wrong and this should not be tolerated. Of course. But it has to be taught to boys and girls, it's not just a girl problem, it's a boy problem as well. So, you know, it's, it's just, we have to look at that. I mean, I know people just blame com computer games and all the rest of it, and it's influences on our lives, isn't it? Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, if your family is quite a peaceful family, there's probably less likelihood you think that lashing out of people is going to be a good idea. Yeah, right? because you have a good role models, of yeah. course. Yeah. But that's why we have to help all type of families, right? Correct, because yeah. domestic abuse isn't something that happens in a council house, Newcastle, yeah. it happens in Chelsea, it happens in Kensington, Absolutely. it happens everywhere. Yeah. And, and just because somebody looks a really nice human being on the outside, it doesn't mean that they are on the inside. So Absolutely. yeah, it's, it's, it's surprising the people I spoke to during that campaign. It was, um, yeah, it was an eye opener, that's for sure. That's interesting. Oh, that's what I say all the times, right? Mm. It can be everywhere. It is. It can everywhere, be everywhere yeah. because they feel safe, you know, within the yeah. domestic uh, walls. They feel safe. Nobody they can knows abuse. What's going on. Not unless exactly. your neighbor can hear you and yeah. hear the violence and report it to the police. Or maybe they can hear you, but they, they, turn, uh, yeah. Yeah, they turn the blind eye. Correct. So I hope now maybe people will think twice before turning the blind eye, right? I hope so. They will read the signs in a family, in the behavior of, you know, a victim, and they will eventually start talking more with yeah. their social services or with the teacher or, you know, with the hospital. Sometimes teachers are taught to look out for signs. And that really of course, has to... We need to train them, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, because sometimes, yeah. you know, a child is more likely to tell their teacher something absolutely. than, yeah. you know, somebody else because they can just confide in them and they trust them. So yeah. you've got to hope someone somewhere actually yeah. sees what's yeah. going on because if somebody comes in from social services then maybe they wouldn't want to say anything because they know they won't see their mum and dad again and they'd be taken into care whereas I if know. you tell your teacher yeah that's it's really difficult isn't it you know what do you do as a child for the best for you and your upbringing yeah. it's so and complex the care system isn't exactly a great system at times we need more funding for the care system Always. i think our policymakers are still not spending enough yeah. This is a social emergency, and I think it's connected with many other issues we face. It all ties in. Yeah. And the, but the thing is, there's a human cost to this, and there's a financial cost to the economy. And that yeah. needs to be looked at as well, because the thing is, if it ends up being a homicide, 
you know, it can cost two million just for one homicide, okay? So I think that, you know, governments across the world and the banking industry, everybody's going to see that this has a knock-on effect, you know, not just in terms of generations of people, yeah. but economically, how much does it cost in the country? Because it's costing the health service, it's costing social services, it's costing everybody. Um, if the police are involved, it's, you know, yeah. think how much money it's costing, you know, millions and millions of pounds. Exactly. Um, why wouldn't you do something about it if it's costing your to economy? prevent it correct exactly. because it's going to work in twofold isn't it because yeah. these people won't be able to work so they won't be able to put money in the yeah. economy either so you have them to think that's that's how if you want to address it with governments sometimes you have to talk in money terms and as awful as that sounds that's how you get the message across to some people yeah because if that's the way to do it then that's how you have to think about it and i mean i've spoken to financiers over in dubai mm. not always easy to express, you know, for, for a white woman from the UK trying to tell people um, in a Middle Eastern country and talk about domestic abuse, you have to be very careful of the terms on that. Of course. But they also need to understand that their figures suggesting, I think it's only, they try and say there's only about a thousand odd cases of domestic abuse. And I'm very sorry, but it's a lot more than that. Of course. But that's all they're prepared to admit to. So you have to tread a very sort of careful line with them and just explain about abusers and victims and actually something needs to be done. And simple things like on a bank website or whatever, guiding people how to get help so they're not a victim of economic abuse and all the rest of it. There are small steps you can take to make a big difference. And I hope that different uh, countries across the world will start looking at what we are doing in Britain yeah. because there's issues in Australia, there's issues in Israel, of there's course. issues it's in America. Work. It doesn't stop with us, it's everywhere. And unless you've got decent administrations looking at this and dealing with this and realising what the problem is, that it's not going to stop. Absolutely. Actually, it's going worse. If you, yeah. if you look at... And then COVID, it did. Yeah, COVID, it was a disaster. The lockdown yeah. was a disaster. Was no escape. Particularly for women who were yeah. trapped with their you know, abuser yeah. inside the home. And also, we see what's happening in Afghanistan. Uh, yeah. It's dreadful. They're our sisters, like, like us. Mm. We could have been born there it's just you know a matter of destiny of luck that we weren't born there and look the life they they do now it's tragic because these men they want to trap them inside yeah. they don't allow them to get education they don't allow them to work they don't even allow them to get care in the hospitals yeah. they will just die it's, it's, it's just really terrible isn't it because the thing is it is you know obviously with when the war happened I mean people did have, women had opportunities in Kabul to do something, to be politicians, of course. to speak out and just to live almost a kind of a, some, I would say Kabul, you could live kind of a westernish life. However, Afghan society, um, what I saw when I was on the ground there was very few women at all. So when they saw me, they were like, oh, are you a doctor? Are you a wife of a soldier? Because they're not used to seeing women roaming around because they're always hidden away they're at home they're yes. in you know because you, you, you're out in the desert you know you don't really see many women yeah. Kabul was a kind of different place it was kind of a place where lots of different people come in and out and women could have you know a kind of a western lifestyle in some respects I think it's now, terrible we abandoned them it's, I think it's, it's really terrible. sad that that happened yeah. I think that it happened too fast I wished that the UN had been able to have some kind of task force in there when the Americans uh, left. I know that predominantly many Brits left in 2014, 
but the rest of the British obviously left with the Americans and other allies uh, more recently. I think that it could have been done a lot better. I mean, obviously a lot of kit was left behind, yeah. um, which got into the hands of the Taliban. I mean, you know, we saw them trying to fly different, uh, you know, helicopters and things. It was utterly ridiculous. But, you know, it could have been, really speaking, they should not have told the date to the Taliban when they were going to go by. They should have said, yes, we are planning to go. It's a huge operation and the one thing i will briefly say is that in russia the russian tanks yeah. still remain in the rivers in afghanistan from their previous conflict and now we have american vehicles streaming across afghanistan as well as a reminder of the conflict that we've just had so i do think it is a great shame that it wasn't done in the manner that it should have been done and i think ultimately the women of afghanistan are really suffering yes. as we read continually and the fact that the UN are desperately trying to ensure that they are allowed to work in terms of the humanitarian effort because otherwise you know everybody suffers yeah. it's not just women yeah. it's men it's children and I hope things will change at some point in the future because the Taliban have got no option but to change because there will be no money coming into our country if they do not change it's terrible the way they're treating women it's a gender side in fact I I'm really shocked when I hear that people don't don't know what a woman is. We know what a woman is, and are these poor women who are treated like that? We clearly know what a woman is in Iran, as an example. Yeah. So we should stop with this uh, denying of biology because we know what a woman is, and these regimes know it very well, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, so we need to keep protecting women's rights. Yeah. I wish we were living in a society where there were no differences between women and men. I wish that. We all wish that, right? Yeah. We don't like gender stereotypes because they're the worst. We hate this discrimination against women, the way they treat us also. They're willing to controlling our body, you know, not so letting the US, have, yeah. Yeah, abortion in the US. So it's very, very important that we're still standing. For women's rights sure. and I think that feminism is much needed now because I feel there is more misogyny now that in the past what do you think well I wrote a piece actually I went to the Reykjavik forum in Iceland and essentially what came out of it was that Britain was actually leading the way in terms of um, equality yes. in the G7 and that the Americans dramatically dropped however in the UK it will take 50 years for us to have total equality yeah. which is a very long time and unless people work actively together then that's not going to be accelerated so it's quite shocking when you think i mean obviously we've got women in great roles in society here but for it to take that long and if it's going to take that long here how long does it take in afghanistan how long does it take in african countries how long centuries. does it take this centuries, is the point yeah. so it needs to change radically i mean the way i was always brought up was that I could do whatever I wanted. I was never told that being a woman was a negative thing. And I think if you're brought up in that way, yeah. then you'll just go on and do whatever you're going to do, even if people turn around and say to you, or, you know, about being a woman or whatever, you ignore it and you just keep going anyway. Yes. Because that's how you've been brought up to believe. You don't think that, you know, it's a negative because it shouldn't be a negative. Why can't you do why can't you jump on planes to, to Helmand province? Why can't you go up volcanoes? Why can't you do um, lots of different things? Absolutely. It, there, there is no reason why. Yeah. And, 
you know, I'm sorry, but I refuse to see a difference. I just think that, you know, why can't you work harder than a man? Why can't you do whatever? You shouldn't have to do it. Of course. To prove it. But, you know, you if can you achieve things. If you if really you wish, believe in when, it and you want to, yeah, you can perfect. go for it. We need equal opportunities. Then sure. someone can do whatever they want. A man could decide to be house husband. It's fine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. There's nothing wrong. So we, sh- we definitely have to break stereotypes, gender stereotypes, because they're, they're the worst, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but sometimes you get gender stereotypes given to you from women. Of course. I had, I I have, I've had a woman in the past say to me, why are you going to Afghanistan? Why, why aren't one of the boys going? And you're thinking, well, why not? Why, why can't not? I do this? <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's funny. So, you know, it's just, I think it's just an education really of people, but it's sometimes it's your, it's your parents and your family. So you, you see the world in a different way, don't you? And if you feel like you should be restricted by being a woman, yeah. and that's what you've been brought up to believe, then, you know, that's really difficult in itself. But when you're not, and you think, you can go anywhere and do anything and then it just opens yeah. the whole world of possibilities yeah. and you know women should just keep going chasing the dream and you never know where you're going to end up because I didn't have anybody in journalism in my family I was just a kid with a dream and just went on so you know it wonderful. is it's hugely possible everything yeah. is yeah and this is the sign also that in this great country we have meritocracy and we should be very very proud of it because mm. not every country is like that not at yeah. all not at all so. but you've just got to keep chasing dreams haven't you I've course (laughs) so important chasing dreams and breaking cycles absolutely yeah and don't don't be silenced by others who want to silence you never give up i love it liz thank you so much for being here with us today and i hope you will come back soon with other interesting stories because we need to inspire our public with women like you thank you so much i really appreciate your time today thank you thank you liz cheers Thank you everyone for being here with us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did because I really admire Liz and I hope you will be inspired by her life and you will try to do your bit in order to change our society for the better. Thank you. Share this episode with all your friends on all your social media and stay tuned. We will have many interesting guests coming soon.